Hey guys, welcome back to the FFP. My name is Christian, and today we're going to talk about some big name players with somewhat big concerns. These are guys that I think people get in the habit of looking at these big names and saying, hey, Pat Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Barkley, whoever it may be, that guy's a stud. I'm going to draft him early and I'll feel good about it. Uh, and they don't put a whole lot of research into these guys. And I think sometimes that's a mistake. It's very possible that these guys could underperform. It definitely is. There are so many guys bidding for these top spots fighting in the NFL. It's such a competitive league. And so I wanted to make this video to get all of uh, all of you guys, anybody who happens to be watching this video, in the habit of taking a look at these guys and questioning them. I don't care if your name is Pat Mahomes. I don't care if your name is Ezekiel Elliott or whoever you are. I'm going to look at the numbers. I'm going to look at the stats and the situation you've got heading into this season. And let's just talk about it. What are the concerns and issues that these guys might have? Yes, they're very talented, but that doesn't mean that they're not prone to having a bit of an off year. Um, for example, I think look back to a couple years ago with Zika Elliott, there was that drama. A lot of people drafted him anyways, and then he missed six games. For those six games, you were seriously hurting because you were out of a first round draft pick. Ultimately, he still had a very good season, but for that year, it hurt you. In a redraft league, that might have been a bit of a mistake. You might have been able to draft somebody instead of him. Anyways, though, I do want to say that I don't think these guys are going to be complete busts. We have a busts video for a reason, so I'm not going to call any of these guys busts or anything like that, but I will say that I do bump them down on our rankings, at least a, a fair amount due to some of the concerns that we have. And hey, feel free to disagree with me. I'd love to talk to you guys about it in the comments below. So let's just get going with the video and start talking about our first guy. All right, so we got to talk about Ezekiel Elliott. He is absolutely the definition of a big name with some somewhat big concerns. I really do mean that. While I do think he is still a first-round pick and a top-12 running back, making him a RB1, I fully believe that's the case. I think a lot of people are going to take Ezekiel Elliott. Oftentimes, one, two, or three uh, off the board is one of the first three picks uh, in the draft and among running backs. And for me, I bump him a little bit lower than that. There are a few running backs that I like more than him and so for me I've got some concerns let's talk about it but I do want to clarify I'm not hitting the panic button completely don't think that I'm going to call him a bust this season at all I think far from it but he's been he's been crazy good and I think this year brings some struggles that I don't think he's had yet in his career. So when we look at it yes he has been a stud in PPR scoring in his first four seasons he has finished second He's finished 12th, although it was just a 10-game season for him. He finished 5th, and he finished 3rd. So yeah, he has been an absolute stud. Not only that, but the numbers are there. Of course, he's had huge fantasy seasons. He scored 48 touchdowns in 56 career games, as well as he's a guy who's been just known for being an absolute monster on the ground. And other than Derrick Henry, he has got to be the best pure runner in the NFL. And yet he has 131 catches in just the last two seasons, making him a bona fide PPR stud, a real monster. When you look at it, talking about the rushing, like that... Calling him one of the best rushers in the NFL right up there with Derrick Henry is not an exaggeration at all. He entered the NFL first year rushing title. Second year, he was on pace for the rushing title, played just 10 games. Third year, rushing title. Fourth year, he was the fourth highest rusher in the NFL. He has consistently produced and been phenomenal both on the air and on the ground, having over 3,700 total yards the last two seasons combined. Just dominant 
absolutely dominant. In fact, it gets even better when you look at Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, last year, he averaged 3.23 average yards after contact. That is a career high for a running back who has a, had a really stud career and especially tough at a position where you know you don't really expect guys to be able to get more physical and get more dominant as they get into their career. But it really seems that Ezekiel Elliott has done that. So what I want to talk about now is what's the concern, right? Everything has been in line and in place for him. He has been nothing but dominant, stud, awesome, whatever you want to call it for the last few years. What am I worried about? I'm worried about a few things. I'm worried about Tony Pollard. I'm worried about the coaching situation. I'm worried about the offensive line. So let's tackle those three concerns and why I think he probably won't finish as the number two or three running back. For me, I'm bumping him down to maybe four, five, six, seven. Um, Still working on our rankings, so I'm not 100% sure where he's going to go, but I definitely think with the competitiveness at the running back position, when you see some of the elite talent like the Alvin Kamaras, we've got Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey, Aaron Jones, there are definitely a lot of guys who could compete to be better than him. And of course, if you take him number two off the board behind McCaffrey, and there ends up being a guy who's a little bit better than that, you'll, you'll be kicking yourself a little bit. I do mean that. If you picked first overall in last year's draft, good for you. You could have taken the second best pick. The second best running back last year in a PPR league was Aaron Jones, and I wouldn't have blamed you for it. That would have been, you know, if you pick first overall and get the second best guy, that's pretty hard to argue with, but you would have been missing out on over 100 fantasy points. In my leagues, by the way, 100 fantasy points is what separates the number one scorer in the league from the number six, which is pretty much, you know, an entire half of the league bumping you from the best of the best down to pretty mediocre. So yeah, I do think that hitting this first pick and bumping him just a few slots because of these concerns is absolutely important to know the difference. But again, let's actually get into those concerns. One of my concerns is that he has had a just phenomenal offensive line in the past. He is just dominant offensive line. They've had, in fact, they've had a top five offensive line every single year that Elliott has been in the league. And that, that makes him, you know, have quite a bit of easier running situation than other running backs in the NFL. That right there is a huge boost, but that could change a little bit this year. I still think they're going to be a fair offensive line. I would even call them a good offensive line. But with the loss of Travis Frederick, as well as two other offensive linemen, one of which was a starter alongside Frederick, there's definitely a concern that, hey, what are they losing? How much talent can you lose on the offensive line and still be top five? I still think they're going to be top half of the NFL for sure. But it's not going to be quite as dominant an offensive line as they have had in the past. And when we see the way that an offensive line impacts a running back's ability to perform, it's insane. We looked at really all of the top, and you look at most of the top fantasy running backs over the last few years, offensive line opportunity, being able to get involved in the passing game, those are the things that really count. But that's, of course, not my only big concern. One of my big concerns is Mike McCarthy, and honestly, this is probably my biggest concern of them all. Mike McCarthy is a coach that scares me a little bit because he doesn't seem to handle his running backs um, in a fantasy efficient way. I don't know what the right term for that is, but he loves to lean on his fan or on his running back two, really taking some fantasy value away from the running back one. Uh, when we look at it, Aaron Jones went from 24th in running among running backs in fantasy scoring with Mike McCarthy to last year, just one year later, he went from 24th to his second. That was not a fluke. 
That was not a fluke at all because, honestly, he was losing a lot of touches to one Jamal Williams, who really wasn't quite that good. Me and Rob have really said that for years now that Jones is easily the guy. But we look further more into it. This year could be even more extreme version of Jamal Williams taking Aaron Jones' touches because Tony Pollard is probably the best backup running back that Mike McCarthy has had. Uh, in his career. It's a guy who comes out last year and averages, I believe, 5.3 yards per carry. He could definitely eat into Ezekiel Elliott's touches. Furthermore, we see the, the touches as far as catches and being used in the passing game. Aaron Jones exploded last year. They lose McCarthy and boom, he makes a ton more catches and get a ton more usage in the passing game, which for a guy like Ezekiel Elliott, who had over 70 catches last year, you know, that could really eat away from his fantasy value. And then ultimately, I think that's really the other thing. Tony Pollard there, he's just a talented running back. I don't care who your coach is. Tony Pollard was very good last year, and we saw a lot of faith from Jerry Jones even saying before last year started, hey, you know, if Ezekiel Elliott's holding out, we don't care. We'll just run Pollard all year long. And I think a lot of people thought that they were just blowing smoke. And yet, after watching him run 5.3 yards per carry, I think the Cowboys would have been not as good as they would have been with Elliott, but they wouldn't have been the worst running situation in the NFL. That's a solid backup. Again, I'm just concerned. My biggest concern to wrap this all up in really the most just short way to kind of one phrase that I guess is Ezekiel Elliott is a very good running back. What will his usage be? His offensive line is going to take a hit this year, but that's not my biggest concern. How is his touches going to get managed? Is he going to get as many catches? Is he going to get as many goal line carries? Is he going to get as many just plain carries at all? I mean, ultimately, that's the big worry for me. Again, I want to clarify that I don't think he's going to drop out of being an RB1. I think he'll still be a solid RB1, but I don't think he's going to be quite as dominant as some people are expecting him to be. And if you're picking in the first couple of picks in the draft, you're probably tempted to take Elliott. I would lean more towards McCaffrey, Barkley, Aaron Jones, and a lot of other running backs like that who I just have a little bit more faith in. But that's my pick on Ezekiel Elliott. If you disagree with me, make sure to yell at me in the comments section down below. Let's get going with our next guy. Now I want to talk about DeAndre Hopkins, who, like a lot of the other guys on this list, he's just, he's a very talented player. He's dominated for many years, thrown up huge stats, and, you know, he is the definition of a big name in fantasy. But, like all these other guys, there's a concern, there's a catch, and there's some question marks that I've got, so let's get talking about it. And much like I'm going to do with all these guys, I want to clarify that they are very good players and they're very talented players. So let's go over his stats over the last few seasons to remind us just how dominant he has been before we start talking about some of the concerns, because I don't want to blow this video out of proportion. But uh, back in 2017, he had 1,300 yards and 13 TDs, and he was the number one fantasy receiver. 2018, he saw 120 catches, 71% catch percentage, over 1,600 yards and 11 touchdowns, first in fantasy points amongst wide receivers. And in 2019, his 119 catches for 70.8 catch percentage, over 1,300 yards and 7 TDs, was fifth in fantasy points amongst wide receivers. He has consistently been top five. In fact, two years in a row at number one is really hard to do. I'll be curious to see how Michael Thomas does this year. I'd love to see him repeat, but... There's no arguing the dominance. When you finish fifth, first, and first over the last three seasons, he has easily been not just a wide receiver one, but a top half wide receiver one. And I don't like to use this word a lot, but he is elite. That is the word to put on this guy. He has been absolutely dominant. 
One of the ways that he's been dominant is through volume, simply by being the best and most dependable wide receiver and really the only dependable wide receiver in that Texans offense. He saw a lot of volume. He saw the sixth most, fifth most, and the most targets over the last season. So yeah, he has had consistently uh, just been up there as far as he just gets the ball more than other wide receivers. And we've talked about this a lot on this channel before. Ultimately, half the battle for getting fantasy points is just getting volume, getting touches. That's what counts. And so that's something that's really held him up and been a huge part of his fantasy success. So for me, the big concern is now moving to Arizona. Is he going to have the same sort of volume? Because honestly, I don't know if he will. And of course, you probably already assume that. And I think everybody else is with me that they've got some weapons there. Larry Fitzgerald and Christian Kirk are some very talented wide receivers. Whereas a lot of times there in Houston, he was the only guy. Yes, I think that DeAndre Hopkins is going to go into this offense with a very young and talented Kyler Murray, and they're going to uh, be very efficient. When DeAndre Hopkins gets the ball, I think he's going to have a lot of fantasy points per touch. I think he's going to be great, but I wonder if that's going to be able to make up for the amount of uh, loss and touches, I guess, loss and targets. But uh, when we're looking at it, this isn't just a speculation. DeAndre Hopkins saw 146 targets last year. The next best wide receiver was Will Fuller, who saw 76 targets, essentially half as many targets. Uh, so you can see just how much he dominated that target share. Whereas Larry Fitzgerald and Christian Kirk last year both went over 100 targets, 109 and 108 alike. So I have a hard time imagining Hopkins is going to hop in there and see close to 150 targets this year. I just don't think it's going to happen. More likely, he'll probably see between 100 and 120, which is a minor drop, but could certainly affect his fantasy numbers. And the possibility of that number being even less than that is very high. That is far from unrealistic to say that he might go over 100 targets, or excuse me, might finish at or slightly below 100 targets this year, depending on how Larry Fitzgerald has aged and how Christian McCaff, or excuse me, Christian Kirk has developed over the last few years. He's also dealing with a young quarterback in Kyler Murray, who I love Kyler Murray a lot. He's a very talented quarterback, but I don't know if he's quite as good as Deshaun Watson. Watson threw six more touchdowns last year. He averaged a yard and a half more per play, and he had 12 less carries for three more rushing touchdowns. So I can't quite say I have as much faith in Kyler Murray's production as I do Deshaun Watson's, though Watson is going to be going to be struggling quite a bit this year, not in the best situation. So I did mention Hopkins in another video somewhat recently, and I think he is one of, if not the most talented receiver in the NFL. He's very fast. He's got great hands. He runs great routes. He's a big and physical wide receiver. There is so much to like. The question for me is a question of volume. How much is that offense going to hurt or being in that offense going to hurt how many targets he gets because like I said you've got Larry Fitzgerald you've got Christian Kirk and don't forget your quarterback can run and also you've got Kenyon Drake who is effective in the passing game and very effective in the running game he had eight touchdowns in the last eight games of the season so I'm just wondering what that's going to be that's what I want to ask you guys. I like to ask a kind of a question and ask for you guys' feedback on every player. Do you think that he's going to see a hit in his targets? Because I really have a hard time imagining he's going to hop out there and things are going to be like it was in Houston. But um, that's, just, that's just my thought on it. I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of you guys disagreed with me. And to clarify, yes, I still think he'll still be a solid wide receiver one. 
However, with the insane absolute stud elite record-breaking emergence of uh, Michael Thomas, who just hit a, just a whole new stratosphere last season, we all knew he was elite, but man, that was insane. Uh, my question is, how far does DeAndre Hopkins possibly drop? Uh, I think it's very realistic that he could drop from number one all the way down to probably five, six, or seven, especially depending on his touchdown marks. Last year, he saw just seven touchdowns. That number is going to need to hop back up a little bit if he wants to stay up there. But again, that efficiency marker could be a little bit better. Now we got to talk about Julian Edelman, who absolutely last year was a big name fantasy wide receiver, had some just seriously solid production. And this year I've got some concerns for him. Last year he finished eighth in fantasy points uh, amongst wide receivers. So for those of you who aren't as big on Julian Edelman, yes, he is a big name wide receiver and you can't argue other Otherwise, you might not like him so much this year, neither do I, but last year the production was there. 147 targets, 104 catches, over 1,100 yards and 6 TDs. It's hard to argue with that. Those catches and targets, by the way, were both fourth amongst wide receivers. So yeah, definitely up there in the volume department and it produced, again, eighth in fantasy points amongst wide receivers in PPR scoring. So yeah. The production was there. The concern is obvious, the loss of Tom Brady. I'm not going to beat around the bush. Everybody knows that the loss of Tom Brady is going to hurt him. And yes, Tom Brady is possibly the GOAT, at least a first ballot Hall of Famer with insane production. Over the last six years, he has averaged over 30 passing touchdowns a year. I don't know another quarterback that's done that, possibly Rodgers or some other guys. Let me know if you have found a quarterback to average that over a six-year span, which is a long span. Um... But man, the production is there. Brady second in completions, yards, and touchdowns all time. So yeah, you go from a just phenomenal quarterback who is still playing at the top of his game to really a pretty bad quarterback situation. He's going to be playing with either Hoyer or Jarrett Stidham, and that's just not great. His two options right now are Stidham, who has thrown four career passes, one of which was an interception, or Hoyer who has changed teams nine times throughout his career, and his best season was a 19 passing touchdown season back in 2015, so five years ago. Um, yeah, you go from kind of spoiled with a great quarterback situation to a very bad quarterback situation, and I'd be a little bit less concerned if Andy Reid was your coach, but Bill Belichick is your coach, and what you've got is two solid running backs, an elite defense, possibly the best defense in the NFL, and a coach that loves to be defensive-minded. I don't think they're going to try to score a lot of points. I think if you're the Jacksonville Jaguars and DJ Chark, he could get, you know, the team could stink and he could get a lot of garbage time stats. But with how good that defense is, we could very well see a lot of just simply low-scoring games, and that could hurt both his efficiency and his volume. But that's not my biggest concern with him. Or, yes, that's my biggest concern with him. That's not my only concern with him. One of the things that concerns me most is there were already some writing on the wall last year as far as him having some production issues. And, again, he produced volume-wise. He was great. He ultimately had a good season. But that was a good PPR season. He went from number 8 to number 17 in standards. So we see he's a very PPR dependent guy who takes a massive drop off in standards. So again, as we always say, know your scoring, draft this guy based off of your scoring. But um, but there were some other numbers. We began to look into it. His 10 drops were second most amongst wide receivers. His three fumbles were second most amongst wide receivers. He was third, amongst, third in penalties amongst wide receivers. And he was 30th in yards per route run. He is not stretching the field. He is not making big plays. He is not the most explosive wide receiver. Now, all of those numbers, the drops, the fumbles, the, the low yards per route run, 
A lot of that could simply be due to the fact that the Patriots didn't have a lot of weapons last season. That could absolutely be the case, but the numbers still stand there, right? I mean, the numbers are still true. They didn't add a whole lot of weapons to that offense. And so that number, that issue of not having weapons, that tight coverage he's facing, the low sort of efficiency markers, not being the most explosive wide receiver, that continues into this year, but even more because you don't have quite the same quarterback to deal with that. Furthermore, wide receivers who are big playmakers, speedsters who love to run fly routes down the field and make the 50-yard touchdown catches, while I'm not the biggest fan of those wide receivers, those sort of guys, they can handle a bad quarterback better than wide receivers like a Welker, a Julian Edelman, you know, Hunter Renfro, those sort of slot receivers, guys who are more dependable, run shorter routes. The reason for that being, I don't care how bad of a quarterback you are, if your wide receiver gets open 50 yards downfield, sometimes he can be open by as much as 5 to 10 yards. It don't take a good quarterback to throw a Hail Mary and just chuck that down to an open wide receiver, and then that quickly turns into 50 yards and a touchdown, and that's a pretty solid fantasy play. Whereas when you're the slot wide receiver like Julian Edelman or you're running shorter 10-yard routes, congratulations, you got open and your quarterback may have made the throw, but you gained 10 yards out of it or 0.1 fantasy points or whatever it might be. So yeah, um, if you're going to have a bad quarterback situation, at least be a speedster deep route wide receiver, something that Edelman is not. This could ultimately be a very bad season for him. Last year, he finished as a PPR receiver one and a standard receiver two. I'm expecting to see him finish as a PPR receiver two on the low end and as a low end wide receiver three in standards. He's still the number one wide receiver on the team. He is still going to get volume and he's still going to have some fantasy value, but far from what he had last year. Let's move on and let's talk about one more guy. Lastly, guys, I think we got to talk about Marlon Mack. Looking back to last season, he had his first 1,000-yard season in eight touchdowns, finished 17th in standard and 23rd in PPR, making him a running back to not the biggest of names, but a big name that people are, a lot of people at least, are going to draft and depend on him. And that could be uh, sort of a big mistake to rely on him as your running back to. This year could be a big drop-off for him compared to last season. He did finish the season with five touchdowns in the last five games, so... We'll talk about some concerns, but he definitely does have value. He's definitely a talented running back, and I don't think he's going to fall to be the you know 108th fantasy running back or whatever, but I don't quite see him finishing as a running back two this season unless that Colts offense takes off and, and just becomes one of the more prolific offenses in the NFL. That passing game has got to get better, and that's one of my first concerns. It was a concern last year, but it's still a concern this year, so I'll mention it even though it's not an additional concern. It's just kind of one that's been there throughout. That passing game was bad. It will likely still be bad and that will stop them from moving the ball and scoring touchdowns getting in the red zone and giving him opportunities to score if that sort of passing game struggle continues that will be just another thing to tack on just another concern for Marlon Mack but let's get into it because for me I've got a few concerns one is the low 4.4 yards per carry that's not great why is that not great? I think for some running backs, they uh, they run 4.4 yards per carry, and I'd give them a clean pass and say good job. But that for me doesn't just doesn't fly when you're running behind the second best run blocking offensive line in the NFL last year, according to their run blocking efficiency. So yeah. That's a major concern. You are running in a prime situation. Your yards per carry has to be up there. You have to be efficient. That could show some real weakness in his game. 
He also saw just 14 catches for less than 100 yards, so he doesn't have any additional PPR value. And like we've said in the past, you might be in a standard league. Don't just blow off catches. That's still yards that count, and that's still time on the field and touches. That makes a difference. That is going to help get you fantasy points, keep him on the field, keep him used in the red zone on third down. That's points right there missed out whether or not you're in a PPR league. So yeah, it is a bit of a concern that he is not a big PPR stud. Of course, they've got Naheem Hines there, and that is why they've got their PPR guy, and that's one of the reasons they're not using Marlon Mack in the passing game, but he's really never been a passing game stud or a PPR stud at all in his career, so that's nothing new, and I don't, wouldn't, I don't expect him to bounce back from that. The thing that really concerns me is the loaded box percentage. So I looked at it last year, and we're talking about it, and, you know, and I'm saying, hey, okay, so his yards per carry was low, and they had a good offensive line, but I thought, hey, they had a bad passing attack for you know about eight games of the season. It was pretty awful, and they struggled to move the ball really quite a lot. And so I thought, hey, maybe he's facing a lot of loaded boxes. And if he's facing a lot of loaded boxes, then maybe that means that he's just getting stuffed on the run. And if the passing game gets better, he'll bounce back. But that really wasn't the case. He, in fact, saw just 12% of the time he saw loaded boxes. That is 40th lowest percentage in the NFL last year. So yeah, he really was spoiled behind a good offensive line and a lacking pressure from defenses. That is definitely a concern for me. And that might have been part of the struggle flipped. I think there are a lot of teams that played the Colts and said, hey, their running game isn't bad, but it's not great. Let's cover the pass. Let's keep that guy back there. Let's not load the box because he's not going to average more than 4.4 yards per carry anyways. So that could definitely be a concern. And that for me is a lot of speculation and a lot of guesswork. And But then they go out and they go out in the draft and they draft Jonathan Taylor. And that for me is a really huge sign that they're not terribly happy with his production. When you go out and draft a running back early in the second round, a guy who fell to them and they said they felt like he is an Ezekiel Elliott type runner who was just too good to ignore. They had to take him there. Yeah, he could very well eat into Marlon Mack's touches and possibly even take over that role as the main physical running back on that offense. And looking at it, he was a guy who was phenomenal in college. Uh, what was it, 12 times? He went over 200 yards in college. In fact, his last season, he had over 2,000 rushing yards and still managed a monstrous 6.3 yards per carry with 21 touchdowns. So yeah, ultimately, it's hard not to be concerned. You're in an offense that struggled in the passing game, which means limited red zone time, a offense that's not going to score as many points as some other teams. You also have Naheem Hines, who's chipping away at your touches because he's the passing game guy. And you've got uh, the new Jonathan Taylor, who could be coming in and replacing you. Keep in mind that after this offseason, or after this season, next offseason, Marlon Mack will be a free agent, and they have not extended his contract. So there looks like the Colts are expecting to be moving on from him, most likely. They could still re-sign him later on, but a lot of teams would like to structure a more long-term deal if they were happy with his production, and they just don't seem like they have been. He doesn't offer a lot in the passing game. His yards per carry is low, and he's kind of spoiled behind a good offensive line, low pressure from defenses. I've got some major concerns for him. I wouldn't be surprised to see him not have the most phenomenal year this year. I'm not going to make a huge jump here, guys. I think last year he was a running back two. This year I call him a running back three. But my concern, especially is later on in the season, as Taylor begins to eat more of that roll up and they use Hines in the passing game, how is that going to work itself out? I don't think he's the biggest bust this year, but if you take him and depend on him as a stud running back too, I don't think that's going to be what he'll be this season for you. Let me know if you disagree in the comments below, but uh, 
That's my thoughts on Marlon Mack. Definitely a concern-worthy player. Well, guys, that is just four players, four big-name players with somewhat big concerns that I wanted to talk about. And again, I just wanted to get everyone in that mindset of saying, hey, you might be a big name, a big stud with a lot of fantasy value. That doesn't mean I have to assume you're going to be the best of the best. Let's think critically about these guys, as I um, I believe I mentioned a little bit earlier, was just this idea of, hey, you can't win your league in the first round, but if you accidentally draft a bust or lose out on some value, you can certainly lose your league in the first round. One of the things that I'm kind of thinking about is Christian McCaffrey last year. Not a lot of people took Christian McCaffrey first overall or ranked him there, and yet that's where he was. In fact, he could have played just 12 games and he still would have been the number one fantasy running back. That's how dominant he was. Had you had the first pick in the draft last year and picked um, the second best running back in PPR, who was Aaron Jones, you still missed out on almost 150 fantasy points. That is a major drop off in fantasy point loss. And that 150 fantasy points, if you were in a league like mine that's pretty competitive and pretty close, could take you from, say, the number one team in your league in fantasy scoring down to about six. That's from the best of the best to just average. And heck, that's a lot of fantasy points. I imagine that if you lost about 150 fantasy points throughout the season, you'd probably tend to lose a game or two more. I haven't looked at the numbers exactly of what that would look like for myself. But yeah, I think there's a lot of people who end the season just squeak in um, by one win or one loss, lose are in a, out of the playoffs and if you miss, you miss those points in the first round that could mean a championship for you so you know not to put too much pressure on a first round pick but hey why not take the right guy why not put the extra time in and make the right selection so that was the the use of this video I don't want to hit the panic button on those guys too much but hey thank you guys so much for watching you guys really are the best you have a great day and God bless